In October 2017, the hashtag MeToo movement against sexual harassment and assault went viral and global. I have been silenced for 20 years. I've been harassed. I've been maligned. Beginning with Hollywood producer Harvey Weinstein, a string of powerful men were named, Any common, Harvey? shamed, and held to account over allegations of sexual offences, sparking unprecedented debate on sexual harassment and violence. There are millions of people around the world who have used the hashtag MeToo. And launching a global movement that's grabbed the attention of the powerful. Me too, I have been sexually harassed. Today we are introducing the Me Too Congress Act. From Me Too to Time's Up, women and girls are calling out abusive behavior. My guest tonight is a feminist icon with a reputation for provocation. Never a stranger to controversy, she emerged as one of Me Too's most prominent feminist critics and caused outrage with her controversial statements on rape. So how should the issue of sexual assault be dealt with? Me too. And is hashtag Me Too revolutionary or misguided? I'm Mehdi Hassan and I've come to the Oxford Union to go head to head with the writer, thinker and legendary feminist Jermaine Greer. I'll ask her why she thinks the global Me Too movement against sexual harassment and assault has gone nowhere. Tonight I'll also be joined by Mina Salami, a feminist writer and speaker and the founder of the award-winning pan-African feminist blog, Miss Afropolitan. Laurie Penny, an award-winning journalist, author and feminist activist. And Zoe Strimple, a columnist, author and historian of gender and relationship. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for Jermaine Greer. The author of the seminal feminist text, The Female Eunuch, she's been a renowned public intellectual and feminist provocateur since the 1970s. Thanks so much for coming. Jermaine Greer, since the Harvey Weinstein scandal erupted late last year, October 2017, the world has been swept by the hashtag MeToo campaign against sexual harassment, assault, violence, rape. Feminists around the world now see MeToo as a major shift. Uh, some say it's a game changer. You, however, one of the biggest names in feminism, have said it hasn't gone anywhere and that, quote, it will be extraordinary if it makes any difference at all. Why are you so down on it? Um, well, am I down on it? It's just that uh, if all it took was kicking ass and taking names and talking loud and drawing a crowd, then we might have got somewhere already. It's not enough to denounce the abuse of women. I mean, think about this. The police, the New York Police Department, has brought a criminal prosecution against Harvey Weinstein um, on three counts. One count of rape in the first degree. Another count of rape in the third degree. And then another, an account of a criminal act in which the woman who has complained of this is known to the public, i.e. she's associated with me too. Now you may say, who's the first woman? Well, we don't know. Why don't we know? 
because her anonymity is being protected by the court. Now, this is kind of weird. I've been against that forever. I figure, you want to put a man away for seven years, show your face. Don't, you, don't be ashamed. I want to get into the subject of rape anonymity, but before that, just on the big picture, because you did say it will be extraordinary if it makes any difference at all. That is pretty negative and pessimistic. Many would argue it's already made a lot of difference. You look around the world. Uh, Congress is passing Me Too legislation. The European Parliament uh, is debating it. The World Economic Forum in Davos put it on its agenda. You have, outside of the US, TV presenters in Australia, orchestra conductors in Switzerland, politicians in South Korea, the Defence Secretary here in the United Kingdom. You have people who have either lost their jobs or been named and shamed or, in certain cases, prosecuted. You can't say that's nothing, can you? I look at what's happening now that we now have women claiming sexual harassment, sexual assault, sexual this and that. Um, the first question to ask is, what took you so long? In most cases, uh, the statute of limitations has already passed. And these people who are, are supposed to have performed these acts cannot be prosecuted. This already became clear even in the case of Bill Cosby. They could only find one case which had already been heard in a civil case to actually bring against him now. But Bill Cosby was prosecuted in the end, post Me Too. The first trial pre-Me Too was a mistrial, a hung jury. Post Me Too, he was prosecuted. I watched a lot of interviews of yours preparing for this. I've read a lot of interviews of yours. What you do is you're very good at criticising. You're great at critique. I don't hear the solutions. Let's say... What I would don't you... have to give solutions. You do, if you're saying the it's Weinstein trial... It's not my work. job. Well... <laughs> They're uh, never satisfied, are they? No, Clean the I toilet think, well, and provide Well, I would argue the audience here and at home probably do want to hear. Well, are you saying that Weinstein shouldn't have been prosecuted, Bill Cosby shouldn't have been prosecuted? Because you're no. very good at saying what's wrong with all these trials. But a lot of people see them as victories for Me Too and for feminism. They haven't been victories for anybody. Sexual assault continues. Uh, abuse of women the continues. What a high bar. Either you get rid of all sexual assault or you don't prosecute Bill Cosby. It's a bizarre kind of Wait a minute, you're persecuting a man in his 80s who's been offending for 60 years. Okay, what kind of a triumph is that? Let's go to our panel. Laurie Penny, who's an award-winning feminist writer, author, activist. You jumping up wanting to come in there. What, what, what? Well, I just wanted to look, it's, it's only been six months. Patriarchy has been around for a very, very, very long time. And I think this is kind of a... As soon as women start doing something together, suddenly it's like, why haven't you changed the entire world yet? It's been... Only just over six months. I think there's a long there's a long game here. But also, you ask what took you so long, right? It is fear, very legitimate fear of the social consequences of speaking up against rape. And what has happened in the past few months is we've seen this sea change where women and girls are suddenly able to come together and okay. compare notes and support one another. That's what's changed. Jermaine, do you want to respond to that? I have spoken out about rape and about my own rape, and I did it many, many years ago when I was 19 years old. I'm now 80. It's not true we haven't been here, that we've never been here before. We have. Oh, well, I didn't and say we've we got nowhere. We've got nowhere because the law's upside down. The law is, if you'll pardon the expression, cockeyed. The most important thing for it to do is defend the defendant against the malicious allegations of other people. And there is a legal obligation to do that. Look, if, um, 
Me Too was never just about legal solutions, though. I mean, no, don't I know that too. Yeah, of, of course. But look, I don't need to to have you know to have somebody convicted in a court of law of rape to say I don't want to invite that guy to my party. I don't want to work with that guy on my project. You know, is is it also about creating social consequences and creating new social norms? Okay. And that is a big important thing that's changed. Zoe Strimple is a historian of gender and relationships. She's a columnist for the Sunday Telegraph. Do you agree with what Laurie's saying? Well, um, I, I definitely see what Laurie's saying, and I, I don't disagree, but I just wanted to say that I think there's absolutely a place for Germaine to pour cold water on, on this movement. That's, you know, if you're going to be someone who's sort of smiled upon by kind of polite society, you must say it's just absolutely the best thing since sliced bread, and Germaine's job is to be a critic, and I think she should absolutely be criticising it. I also think sort of other kinds of threats that, that, that a lot of women encounter, frankly, uh, on the street at night, and, and is, is Me Too actually reaching those perpetrators? Is Me Too helping those women who are kind of facing domestic violence all the time? So I think I think I, I think Jermaine is okay. right to question the efficacy. Uh, and Mina Salami is a feminist writer, blogger, founder of the award-winning pan-African blog, Miss Afropolitan. When Jermaine talks about why did it take them so long and the whole anonymity issue, where do you stand on that? The point is not why it took so long or what a woman wore or what her sexual history is, which, is, which are not claims you've been making, but I'm just saying that it's a similar type of question. We're always avoiding focusing on the actual crime. And it's incredibly unfair to suggest that Me Too has not been tremendously impactful. I mean, Me Too is definitely one of the feminist peaks. And I think it's unprecedented in one way specifically, which is that it is bringing home these conversations into our intimate spaces. With Me Too, unless you've been living under a rock, you cannot avoid having these conversations with your partners, with, your fa with our fathers, with our uncles, sons, etc. And that is really unprecedented. And as a... Is as it an, really unprecedented? I think it is. You're talking about, oh, we need to concentrate on rape as a crime. Now, most of the people in this country do not believe that non-consensual sex is rape. They think it has to be violent. Wrong. It doesn't. They think that it is uncommon, monstrous, done by outsiders. It doesn't matter what they believe, because in the court of law, it is a crime. Except it isn't. You will not non find... Non-consensual sex is a is crime. A Hang on just a minute. You will not find the millions of women who had non-consensual sex last night with their partners fronting up at the police station. It never happens. The longest struggle when it came to trying to rationalise the law of rape, which is a mess, uh, was the one on whether it was possible to rape your own wife. That was not decided in some American states until 1994. But the fact is, it hasn't changed the law. But that's why Me Too is so effective, because and women are now so speaking about OK, so I'm going to ask again, Jermaine, sorry. If it's not effective, what do you propose instead? What is effective? I would... Uh, well, there are many things that could be effective, but we won't do them. I mean, uh, we have teenage girls who have never had a, an orgasm, who have no idea why they're even doing it, because the pressure on them to have a partner is so great. Somehow, we have got to rescue the institution of heterosex from the mess it is in. And that is partly brought about by pornography, prostitution, commercialisation, and the cheapening of everything about a woman's body. But I'm guessing a lot of people in here wouldn't disagree with you, including some of our panellists. But again, I'm waiting for a solution. Yes, we need to do something. What? Well, wait on, dear boy. But I'm not in waiting. charge. 
It's easy to be a bomb thrower. I'm asking for what... Me Too, you say it doesn't work, it's not unprecedented. I'm asking you, A, what's come before Me Too that was similar in your view, and B, what would you do instead? It's two very simple questions. We are in an unsafe situation. We have unsafe convictions, and we have other marauders, like Harvey Weinstein, uh, apparently able to operate with complete impunity, not because he's who he is, but because he's surrounded by people who are scared of him. And this is, this is a very much bigger problem. So, Jermaine, here's what I don't all of us. Harvey Weinstein, the marauder, is now facing trial. So I'll re-ask another one of my questions. Apologies. Do you support the prosecution of Harvey Weinstein and Bill Cosby? It's regarded as two successes. For me, too. Well, they're not successes yet. Hang well, on. One was found guilty and one is now being prosecuted for the first time despite there'll having this be, army of people protecting There'll be an appeal in the case of Cosby. And you want, to, you want to have him in jail half blind in his 80s after 60 years of doing what he's been doing? So Are you yeah. calling that a victory? I think he at least belongs there. Just seeing the guy have to face some sort of justice is a moral victory in itself. And I think you shouldn't discount that. You know, no. I, th this argument feels incoherent. It really no. does. I feel like in the 21st century, we should be living in a sexual culture where we can get beyond let's not rape each other. Right? Let's not rape each other should be a baseline. You know, we can do better. We can actually have some sort of understanding of pleasure, desire and agency. Zoe, you wanted to come in? I have a question. Why don't we, in terms of your questions about solutions, is there not a need to think quite pragmatically and simply about, well, women lack physical confidence, that women are consider themselves weak, men can overpower them physically, after all that is like where the rubber hits the road. You know, should girls be given martial arts training in school, mandatory? I mean, are, is that not a kind of suite of options we should be turning to first? I mean, no, no, we but, should be teaching but, men not I mean, to rape. I mean, you say martial arts, Jermaine, that does Let me pick up on the... Mar I mean, you've invoked carry-on comedies, 1960s comedies, you said well, that people should slap down their, the, the man who kind of harasses them instantly on the spot and stand up for themselves, which kind of feeds into what Zoe's talking about martial arts. Do you really think that's a kind of solution? Yes. Uh, how, would that, how would that have helped the women who were drugged by Bill Cosby? How would that have helped Dylan Farrow, who was seven years old? How would she have slapped down Look, it her wouldn't assaulted? Look, it wouldn't have helped everybody but it would have helped the people who themselves were in that situation. Um, but Just like ordinary women on the street, it helps to have physical strength. Yeah, but the, this but is not, not where the offences are being reality. carried out. Stranger rape is very rare. Most women who, are, who complain of sexual assault know who their attacker was and is a friend of theirs and is a part of their... It doesn't mean circle. that they have the ability to fend off an attacker. I mean, Harvey Weinstein is the case you started with. Harvey Weinstein, they say, was pretty brutal with a lot of these women. What are you supposed to do? I'm no, I'm, you're sighing. I'm just wondering, well, what were they supposed to do? Look, um, we're behaving as if Susan Brownmiller had never written her book on rape. Uh, and there she argues that men use the threat of rape to keep us all in continual submission. And that isn't true. We are all made afraid of rape, and God knows why, because we're more likely to be mugged than raped. But isn't it strange? We're not afraid of being mugged. We're afraid of being raped. And the chance of being... I was raped by a stranger, and the funny thing was that I, I wasn't even annoyed with him. I felt as if I'd stepped in the path of a bus. Uh, I, I still don't know his name, or, or else I'd suppressed it. Uh, and it was nasty. You know, I was beaten half unconscious. Um, and I, uh, so that's about as bad as it gets. But would I want him put away for seven years? OK, well, this is, this is where we get into territory where you've been getting in trouble recently with some of your remarks. People think you're downplaying the 
crime of rape? Well, yes. You, you if, said if, recently at the Hay Festival, uh, it shouldn't always be thought of as a violent crime, but as, quote, bad sex, which many would say is not just offensive, but inaccurate. Oh, for Christ's sake. Non-consensual sex isn't always violent. You can have non-consensual sex with a woman who's fast asleep without even waking her up. What world do you people live in? We're not well, talking about bashing people up. We're talking about really destructive sex where a man climbs onto his partner because she's in the bed next to him. I'm actually passionately opposed to double beds. They're probably more responsible for bad sex than any other single piece of furniture. <laughs> I mean, most of the sex we are having is bad. And what but you're But do you stand by the rape is bad sex? You stand by that comment? It's non-consensual sex, which is bad sex. And it's not always violent? No. Because many would argue that all rape is violent because it's a gross bodily violation of a woman. Well, you, yes, you can argue that if you want. But you're pushing the point, really. Um, violence well, this is, is what violence. Rape Crisis England and Wales says. They say if penetrating another person's body without their consent is not an act of violence, what is? Rape is an inherently violent crime, regardless of whether external vis visible injuries are sustained. You better tell that to the traumatised women who turn up uh, for their rape kit examination, who are penetrated again and again, who have blood taken, who have all kinds of liberties taken with them. Well, let me ask I mean, it's, it's not about Harvey Weinstein masturbating in front of you. Believe me, that's completely no, we're talking banal. About, well, we're talking about rape, which he's also accused of. Mina, not all rape is violent, and it's bad sex sometimes. I mean, violence does not just mean physically attacking someone. Violence is using force, um, it's creating damage, and you can create a lot of violent sexual damage when you force somebody to have sex with you. I, I would hope that you agree with that. Um, furthermore, well, you can, but you know something? Of all the crimes in which injuries are sustained, rape is the least impressive. Uh, people get hurt all the time. It's mad to pretend to a woman that a penis walking down the street is more dangerous than a knife. That's just to nonsense. Judge. You cannot just decide what one woman experiences as a great violation of her, of her body. And, and you've been speaking about, you know, reducing the sentences for rape. Um, Have I? In fact, you suggested 200 hours of community service. Yeah. That wasn't me. The, I what about the tattoo? You also said tattoo the letter R uh, on their hand yeah, or cheek. Why not? A tattoo is all right. At least it says, don't go out with this bloke. He's got form. But We're not I, I, I just need to clarify something. You're saying you, you don't support reduced sentences for because you've been quoted in plenty of interviews saying it should be, the burden of proof should be lowered, the tariff should be reduced to get more convictions. Why do you think juries can't convict? Why do they sit there listening to revolting stories and when it comes to the point, they can't convict? One of the reasons for that is the extremity of the sentences. We've had them raised and raised and raised in the misbelief that, that more women will complain and more juries will convict. The effect is the opposite. So you think lowering it would get more convictions? Well, you haven't got anywhere near enough prosecutions. But, but that, that's fine, that's speculation. Do you have any but evidence no, because that lowering the... it would lead to more convictions? It might. It might. So you don't actually know. Going... You're making no. quite a big proposal based on nothing. No, I have Many would argue that they're not convicting, not because of tariffs, but because they don't believe the woman. And really, we should be working on getting people to believe the woman. Well, that's a problem because juries these days have women in them. Oh, no woman has ever disbelieved another woman. Uh, well... <laughs> Who knows? Okay. Um, no, mean, but, the, mean, but hang on a minute. The really no, important thing to remember is that most rape 
If we're talking about... Well, you keep saying you misquoted, so just here in front of the Never... audience, on TV, do you support, in the UK and the US, shorter tariffs in prison, maybe alternatives to prison for rapists, for convicted rapists? It would depend. They're not all the same, you see. The crimes are not all the same, and the outcome is not all the same. You say in one place I reduce sentencing, in another place you say it depends, but OK, Laurie. Honestly, it seems like this argument hasn't been thought through. I think I see more coherence in some ways on Twitter. The heart of your argument seems to be that the legal system as a, is, is inadequate to be dealing with the problem, of, the problem of rape and consent, and I agree with you on that basis, but the Me Too movement has never been simply about the legal system. The whole point is that you know the, if the legal system has failed women, there is, a, there is a, not just that binary between doing nothing and only ever believing the guy and assuming that the woman is lying and you know put the guy in a box forever. Zoe, do you want to come in? Yeah, sure. I think we would all agree that sex is, is inherently full of grey areas because it's, it, there are no witnesses, it, it's highly subjective. Um, and I think one of the problems with Me Too uh, has been that it's lumped a lot of things together and we've had sort of totemic ideas of men to women and then inevitably what happens is like as Jermaine said you get you know such a phallocentric image this like terrifying penises everywhere and then you get a sort of slightly victim narrative emerging for women so so really just to sort of support the idea that uh, that, that we need to have a system in place just that's before I... sensitive to, to differences in, in so this to pick up on that point yeah. just before I go back to Jermaine uh, Mina there has been this criticism of me too that it to use Zoe's phrase lumps in too many different behaviours. Is that, do you think that's a legitimate criticism? People say, well, you know, there's a difference between somebody groping you at work and somebody raping you a la Harvey Weinstein, allegedly. No, because they're all part of the same conversation, which is sexual harassment, sec rape, sexual abuse toward women. Um, these are conversations that we haven't historically been able to have out in the open. And I, and I become so confused with your arguments because they're completely contradictory. Like you say that on, on the one end, you have been pushing for women to, to come out with a first-person narrative and to name themselves. And surely that is what is happening with Me Too. I mean, for the first time, you have hundreds of thousands of women speaking about sexual abuse that they have experienced using their personal names. Jermaine? Mm -hmm. Uh, yes, I agree, uh, and I agree that women should come out and take names and talk loud and draw a crowd and ostracize the person who is behaving badly. I mean, I'm, I've been teaching in universities all my life, and I know who the sexual predators were in the universities I was in, and there's many ways of abusing women. They don't all involve the penis. In fact, the okay. penis is the only part of a man I know what to do with, frankly. Okay, okay Jermaine, but let me, let, me ask, let, me, let me ask you this. You say now, you, well, you say to Mina, look, you welcome that, it's a good thing. People should come out and take names. And yet, just a couple of months ago, you were on TV uh, accusing Me Too of presenting women as victims. <laughs> you've, uh, you've said also, for example, if you spread your legs because he said, be nice to me, I'll give you a job in a movie, that's tantamount to consent, it's too late now to start whinging about that. No, no. Do you think women are whinging in association with the Me Too? Do you think they're presented as victims, as you're quoted as saying on I Good Morning I think there Britain is a Maria Goretti aspect, which is... I was virtuous, I fought him off, and he punished me by not putting me in the movie. And I'm thinking, somebody stitched that together for me. He is the uh, executive director, investor in the movie. Uh, he put the hard word on you, you said no, you didn't get a part in the movie. Uh, how can you prove that the two things are related? And the fact is, you can't. This is, it's what the world is about. 
people are negotiating using sexuality and using vague threat and using promises okay. that are fake. You said to Mina that you welcome people taking names. You've said elsewhere that women are being presented as victims. Which is it? Are women being... Do you believe that Me Too is presenting women as victims or as empowered, strong women coming forward to call for justice? Which is it? Oh, it, well, it's probably both and neither at the same time. Because we're not even allowed... Kind of wait wait to a minute wall. here. If you spend as much time working on rape as I do, you know that we're not even allowed to call complainants victims anymore. We have to call them survivors. As if uh, being raped was like the wreck of the Titanic. I'm just fed up with the Can whole thing. We'll have to leave it there. We're going to take a break. Uh, do join us for part two of Head to Head with Jermaine Gray. We're going to continue the conversation about feminism, misogyny, uh, discrimination. <laughs> Jermaine's going to be equally lively, I'm sure, and we've got a very patient audience <laughs> here in the Oxford Union who are going to put their questions to her. So come back after the break. Thanks. Welcome back to Head to Head. My guest here at the Oxford Union is the legendary feminist writer, intellectual author, Jermaine Greer. Uh, Jermaine, we were talking about some of your more provocative claims in part one. Just to continue in that vein, in 2014, you wrote, women persecute other women, humiliate them and discriminate against them, and that, while they may not threaten to rape them, quote, women have more effective ways of doing other women in. Uh, but you yourself, some of your critics would say, are pretty well known for humiliating other women. You said on national television that the then Prime Minister of Australia, Julia Gillard, had a big arse. And you said the nicest thing about Hillary Clinton is her rear end, quote, because it's big and fat and close to the ground. I said that about Hillary Clinton. You did, yeah. I've no notion how big Hillary Clinton's ass is. Not the faintest. And I don't regard it as humiliating. A big ass is a wondrous thing. <laughs> You're the one who has trouble with the idea. You think it must, it's like a, some sort of blight. Well, you say I'm the one, but Julia Gillard, the then Prime Minister of Australia, said your comments reinforced stereotypes of women and that it frustrated her that you, of all people, would catapult into that kind of conduct. Do you think it's right to judge female politicians on Look, their appearances? Look, it was part of a much longer conversation about clothes and prime ministers. Female prime ministers. Well, You've see, commented male... on Theresa May's clothes, Julia Gillard's clothes. Male prime ministers tend to all wear the same thing. And they all look the same in it. So they get a pass from you? No, it's no point in talking about it. It's totally boring. So they boring. get a pass, effectively. So you can talk about a prime minister's appearance, clothes, backside, yes, and that's I can, not humiliating I am, them at all. I am allowed to say that if Theresa May would give as much thought to Brexit as she gave to her f***ing necklaces... <laughs> you, that, you have to bleep that out. Okay. Then we might get somewhere. She must be carrying around this enormous case full of very heavy things. They look like the things that donkeys wear outside temples in India, these big wooden things. Just do without them. Get on with the job here. Jump out of bed. Maybe it'd be easier to get on with the job if feminists like yourself weren't focusing on her clothes appearance. I don't think she gives her monkeys. You've rightly pointed out the uh, ageism and sexism in Western societies like the UK, Australia, US, and of course across the world. But you've suggested also that feminism has been, quote, infected by ageism as well. Why? It's a very curious thing. I spent 1970 travelling in India looking at how women lived to see whether you could grow in authority and power and dignity as you got older, as you cannot in our society. 
Um, even Mrs Thatcher got slung out like an old rag and left government in tears. No man has ever had to do that. Then she had to go on the lecture trail while Tony Blair, the great liar Blair, is rolling because he's got so many directorships and seats on boards and so on. And it's always got me that we mostly identify with young, sexually active women and we don't think about what happens to older women. I mean, I, I went on Good Morning TV the other day and they were talking about, you know, misogyny and nastiness to women and I had to say, try being an old woman. Everybody treats you like an idiot. And some younger feminists, while agreeing with you on this point, they would say the problem is that you are maybe out of touch with some of the struggles of younger feminists today in the feminist movement, and they point specifically, one of the most controversial issues, as you know, associated with you, is your position on transgender women and trans rights and the idea of excluding these women from the modern feminist struggle. Um, you've I've said... never said they should be excluded from the modern feminist struggle. Well, you've, been, acu you've, been, accused of being, you've been accused of being transphobic because you said they're a, quote, ghastly parody driven by misogynistic beliefs, uh, you've said they're not women. Mm. How is that not exclusionary? What am I excluding them from? I don't understand. I mean, I'm, I'm not a Jew. I'm not an Aborigine. I'd love to be one or other or both. Um, but I'm not... That happens to be just the way people are organised. Or I don't... I, I don't That's fine. That's your position, but you are excluding I them. I don't no, believe that somebody words. can say to me, you are not a woman. You're a cis woman. I'm the real thing. I'm very happy to believe that men make better women than women do because we know from the, what it takes to turn you into a woman, we used to call it conditioning. Nobody even mentions that anymore, where you learn how to dress, how to speak, uh, how to love pink, and all the other things that make you a girly girl. We had to learn all of those things, and they are fake. And they are been, a masquerade. You've been, and we, now we have to accept the masquerade as the thing that is more real than we are at this point. As the author of The Female Eunuch, I can't do anything else. But you there would accept you are being exclusionary. Put aside the rights and wrongs of the issue. What am I excluding them from? If they say they're women and you say they're not women, by definition that is exclusion. Are you going to question that definition as well? I don't know. What's the group that they're being excluded from? But you stand by the position... That they're not women. Yes, I do. Laurie Penny wants to come in. Well, I think this distinction, this idea that it is somehow offensive to draw it to say, you know, you are a cis woman. People used to say that about, you know, about the word straight. People used to say, oh, I'm not straight. I don't want people to call me straight. I'm just normal. Those people over there are weird. I think what, what the trans movement today is concerned about is making it clear that there is a spectrum of gender experience. And just because gender is a made-up construct and is an artifact of conditioning doesn't mean that it's not also a real thing. Thing that people suffer under that affects people's bodies. You know, most trans people are okay. not living in this stereotype, you, you call them pantomime dames. That doesn't actually reflect reality. Most trans people do not live like that. Okay, let me... And it's stereotypical and offensive to suggest that they do. Zoe, do you want to come in here? Um, you know, there does seem to be this incredibly strong reaction to, to the definition, is this person a woman, is this person not? And Jermaine gets you know, hugely pilloried or no platform for uh, sticking to one definition, which other people disagree with. So it's very interesting that people, when it comes down to it, are actually obsessed 
with the definition of woman. Um, I think I would also say, you know, I, I just, I, I really worry about the fact that there's this no platform in culture. And I, I love this conversation now because what you're doing is what you're supposed to be doing, which is engaging, you know, theoretically as feminists. Um, and, and, you know, I, you can see the damage that, that no platforming type of things okay. did to the women's liberation movement in the 1970s. It just shut everything down. So, I mean, on the issue yeah. itself, the question I put to Jermaine about yeah. exclusion, do you think she's guilty of excluding people from feminism, modern feminism? <gasps> Absolutely. When you say that they're, they are not women, even though they are trans women. Um, and furthermore, I've never read or heard or come across a trans woman saying, I have the exact same experience as a cis woman. They're very aware of the fact that they have unique experiences as trans women, just as I am aware as a woman of African heritage, that there are certain experiences that I have had that but none of you know. have had. Yeah, um, that no is what universal. trans women are saying. So to, to, to dismiss that and to dismiss that they can be women with a set of unique experiences is absolutely exclusionary. And it's, it's, it, don't you find it somehow dreadful that we are doing this work of exclusion and oppression that we as feminists are fighting at the same time? Do you know, um, one of the things that's been happening over the course of my life is that women who had a raw deal when I started out are getting an even worse deal now, but nobody talks about it. You know, we can't run maternity centres. Uh, they open and close like clams, women get sent hither and yon. We can't explain miiscarriage, so common, a catastrophe. Why don't we understand menopause? Why don't we yeah, but understand... But that's not the fault of trans women, is it? <laughs> but nobody suggests... It sounds like whataboutery. Look at the problems over here. No, no, Why but the point... Why can't you do with both? The point is, I'm being told that I'm being exclusionary because I'm not taking on board Caitlyn Jenner's problems. I can't take them on board. I'm too concerned about the woman who died in the back of an ambulance when during a so, crisis of uh, postpartum psychosis because they couldn't so, decide so where not, to put her. So, Jermaine, why not she then say... So, died. Jermaine, why not, when interviewers like me or others come along and say, well, what's your position, why not say, you know what, I don't want to talk about that? Why make gratuitously <laughs> offensive remarks? I you, didn't you know you do. Wait come on, a Laurie minute. mentioned pantomime dames, ghastly parodies. There's done... stuff you've said I can't even say here because Hang we're on, on pre-authorship. That happens to be a quotation from a book called The Whole Woman, written years ago. I have not been going around making these statements. That is a quotation from a whole chapter about... Jermaine, I have quotes here from you from 2009, 2015, 2018. Do you have any regret for the way you've talked about this issue, given this is a community which, in the words of many human rights groups, is facing an epidemic of violence? No-one's saying you're not entitled to your views, but the way you've expressed yourself on this. Do you have any regrets? I have to, had to listen to so much stuff about an issue that doesn't interest me, I have been forced to talk about transgender, as now, yes. not once, not twice, yeah, but a thousand times. And I think that the, the male to female transgender community is very good at talking about itself, very good at, glam at grabbing the headlines, appears all over the place, and is caressed by all and sundry. Uh, that's fine. Go right ahead, but don't expect me to join in. I'm not Some might interested. say that's a really good self-description as well. But um, let's go to the audience here, who have been waiting patiently to come in. Uh, raise your hands if you want to come in and ask Jermaine some questions. Uh, lady here in the front row. Thank you. Um, I'm from Solace Women's Aid, and we work with women who've experienced domestic and sexual abuse. Um, one of the things I want to speak to you about and ask you about is the lifelong um, experience of trauma that very many have, have gone through. 
What happens is that the blame that they experience from the courts, from the police, but also from people around in society is obviously catastrophic. Me Too is part of a culture of change, and we need that culture of change. And I'm asking you, as an icon of feminism, to stand up and to name misogyny and to challenge that rather than what you're talking about in terms of rape and the courts. Well, um... I'm forever attacking misogyny and trying to get people to believe or understand how pervasive it is and how unconscious it is and how children learn it from the time they're small. Um, and I think I, I do understand about the um, lifelong state of abasement that can result from extended abuse from childhood onwards. What about the trauma she talked about? You've been quoted as dismissing some of the trauma that, for example, rape victims have, have experienced. Uh, That's you've not, absolutely not true. You have. You've mocked the idea of them suffering PTSD, for example. Oh, um, listen, when somebody tells me that you're more likely to suffer PTSD as a rape victim than you are as a veteran of foreign wars, something's gone seriously and you say wrong. That in your, uh, you say that in your position as a leading psychiatrist? No, I say that in my position as a rape victim. I'm Thank you. I, I mean, every rape victim is practically told... Unfortunately, what happened to you was a horror, but it doesn't no, no, give you the opportunity to speak for all women. What I mean, you, there have been what, studies done. The World a... Health Organization says PTSD is associated consistently with sexual violence, one of the most traumatic events. You know more than the WHO. Uh, yes, I think so in that wow. case. Okay. Uh, because Look, think about it. The first thing that happens to you Good as a rape there. victim is you get told that this has ruined your life, that you, this, you will never that's get over this. What Jermaine, sorry, that's not what happens. You know that before it, they even... It, have a look at well, the workup. Here's a, well, here's a, here's a study. In the, a US study found that in the first two to three hours after an assault, before people have even gone to the police, 96% of victims experience physical shaking, trembling and shock. Yeah, that had happened but, to you if you were run over by a bike. I mean, really and truly, this is so you're getting silly. This is getting silly, the no, analogy the between rape and being run over by a bike, and I'm the silly one. No, it's the, okay. turning of, the turning into something that happens every day. We've already talked about the fact that rape is universal. Rape occurs in practically in every house in the, in the land, that non-consensual sex is everywhere, okay. and then you want reaction. to say, and it'll drive you mad and you'll have PTSD. I'm going to go, I need to go back to the but audience, I can't be doing but Laurie Penny's got her hand over her face. I, I'm, I'm sorry, just the idea that... The idea that it, when you are when you experience rape, the first thing you're told is that you're meant to be traumatized for life. Look, as somebody who has also been raped, the first thing I was told when I went to try and talk to someone about it was that I was a liar, and you know nothing had happened to me, and I, I swallowed that for ten years, even though you know I experienced pain and trauma from that. And that's what these movements are trying to do. They're trying to actually make violence and trauma visible and denormalize them, because it's not just the case that rape is universal; it's that we think it's okay. We think that these behaviours are normal and we put okay. the blame and the shame on women when we should be putting it on men. Let's I agree back. with that. Do you not but see that I agree with that? Well, let's, go, let's go back to the audience. Um, the lady here. Hi. In regards to your feminism, um, how would you address someone who cannot simply slap down assault, um, women who are oppressed by race, class, ability, sexuality, um, in fear of losing a job, um, or in, 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 a, in a vulnerable situation like a refugee camp, anything like that, um, in principles of your feminism. Feminism, that's supposed to be an encompassing field of study, an encompassing way of living. Um, I'm not entirely sure that I quite understand the context of that. I mean, I understand what you're saying. I'm saying 
You've um, talked about people slapping it down, dealing with it instantly, not being victims. Some people are not in the same situation, don't have the same privileges. What I was actually talking about when that particular statement had a context was the fact that Me Too has brought up these cases after tw as much as 20 years, when the statute of limitations means that there can be no criminal prosecution. Now, when it comes to um, intersectionality, there's not a lot that I can say because I am what I am. I'm a white, middle-class academic. I am not God Almighty. I don't understand what it's like to belong to a minority, except that it's pretty interesting being an Australian in England. Jermaine, sorry to grab you on a contradiction. A moment ago, you were extrapolating from your own horrific experience to make a sweeping judgment about what women experience after violence. Now you're saying, well, I can only speak for myself. Well, yes. OK. No, it's a little speaking... bit of a contradiction. No, I was speaking of myself as a rape victim. It may surprise you to learn that I'm not a career rapee. I don't spend my entire life as That's a rape victim. That's one of those victim. phrases of yours that upsets a lot of people. Oh, um... be upset. OK. It's upsetting. OK. Um... Lady here and then the lady there. Hi, my name is Fatu. I work with um, a local charity here in Oxford called Oxford Against Cutting. Okay, so you have said in the past that the way the women of Maghrib treat their genitals is their business. Mm. Are you saying that charities like us should pack our bag and go home? And you've also said that um, you wouldn't even condemn female genital mutilation at all. Um, how does that view fit in with the human rights agenda of um, saving all children from harm? You and I both know that this is not a simple question, that there are many different ways of, of doing cutting, and they have different significance in different communities. Uh, so we, this is not an easy question, but what annoys me is that we decide that African women or whoever from whichever community may not do these things to themselves. I think it's complicated, but most people would say FGM wrong. The WHO says it's a gross violation of human then rights. Then you better stop um, you better stop American women and English women from doing it. Okay, that's nice whataboutery. The question is, do you condemn it? No. No, you don't, you don't condemn feminism. It's cultural practice. Look, we do... There are lots of cultural practices you know that are something? horrific. That doesn't oh, make them for God's sake, you can never finish a complicated point. Let, I let, let you me, speak for a while and then I asked at the end, minute, are you for or against it? Let me explain to you that the commonest operation on the female genitalia in America is the shortening of the labia minora. It's practically the same operation and it is practised in great numbers. But it is we, not practised on toddlers. We're talking about yeah, but children. Neither, you don't but to genital beat a cutting, child. Genital to cut cutting shouldn't be carried out on so children anyway. OK, so that's your position. It shouldn't be carried on ch cutting, but adults is different. Okay. Gentlemen in the glasses. Um, you seem to me to be a contrarian. So my question is, when in particular should we listen to you? And perhaps when not so much? You <laughs> mentioned transgender issues. You don't have to listen to me at all. <laughs> I don't have to listen to you either. <laughs> There's no compulsion. Do you accept the label of contrarian? No. No? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a good answer. Okay, lady here. Many of your comments about Me Too are quite flippant and I think made with kind of comedic intent. Like you said something about 
um, Woody Allen should stop filmmaking because he's old rather than because of the alleged abuse of his younger daughter. I never said any such thing. Okay, well, I'm sure in Christ, these big honestly. pack of papers there's proof that you did say it, but that's fine, we'll do the contrarianism thing, that's absolutely fine. No, but just fine. let me explain something. No, before I... you explain something, can I ask you something palpable? Yeah, because I picked up your book when I was 16 years old and that was my pathway into feminism. And as you sit here before me, you are just totally incompatible with the theory that I've read. It's like, surely high up on your agenda as a feminist is just less rape. Because you're delineating what counts as rape or not, instead of having a conversation about what the psychosocial basis of rape is. Why are men raping is a better conversation than does that count as rape or not. I don't know why men are raping. I don't know why men are raping, and I don't know which men are raping. But that's your responsibility as a feminist academic, and you have written texts oh, that show Christ that you sake. do know why men are raping. You do understand why there is a male hegemony. You do understand how patriarchy translates okay. into controlling sexual okay. violence. Your own theory shows that, so I just don't understand where By you're coming way, from the now. The female eunuch is not a book of theory. I don't know how you've worked that out. Um, oh, well, what it is it? What is it then? Okay. What it's was it supposed a, to it's be? It's a description of life as we lived it in 1969 when I wrote that given, book. Given you're not going to agree and we're running out of time, let me just, let me just do a follow-up. Do you get... I know what the answer's going to be, but I'm asking anyway. Do you get a sense of disappointment when you hear people who were once big fans of yours now feeling disappointed in what you're saying today? I never Does that asked, bother you at all? I've never asked for or wanted a big fan. That's, with respect, that's not what I asked. Does it, bo does it bother you at all that people who once agreed with you, looked up to you now are not? I'm not worried about being disagreed with. Okay. Why Just would I be? Just wondering. Okay, let's go to uh, lady there in the glasses. Uh, I'm a huge Me Too campaign supporter, and the reason why I supported the campaign was because it was an eye-opening campaign for me. It made me realize how many women around me had been affected. Uh, while I agree with you that a lot of women in the Hollywood who have used sexual exploitation to climb up the ladder somehow weaken the voice, strong women like you, when you do not support the Me Too campaign, you weaken the voice too. What we really need is you to support the young women in this campaign and let us move ahead in, in, in this fight. I'm sorry to be crabby about this, but when um, Uma Thurman tells me that Harvey Weinstein, who was clearly her good friend, pushed her down somewhere and then tried to expose himself and generally gives the account that she was in danger but she escaped. Uh, and I think he tried to expose himself. What stopped him? How does he go to the toilet if he can't work out how to expose himself? Why does she, why does she give us this narrative? What does it mean? So you, I mean you, we've you got always, to be good always at this. this. You always have a go at Uma Thurman, but there are plenty of actresses and non-actresses, his assistant, a marketing executive, an advertiser, all of whom were his quote-unquote, whatever you want to call it, you say victims, other business survivors. Yeah, but Do you it, not see what you're doing by picking no, the one no, person you don't the like re and, and the reason, dismissing them? The reason for naming them is that they could finance the whole thing. So far, I've been told that there are civil suits being brought, but I haven't found them, and I do nothing but look it's for them. It's your dismissive tone, I think, that it bothers people. Zoe, and then Laurie, and then we have to finish. I Very briefly. I just... I don't think we younger feminists do need Germaine to validate and sanctify what they're doing. It, it's OK for you to be appalled and disappointed. I personally am glad that Jermaine's shaking things up. Ideological diversity is, is great. We all need it. I think we're a little bit too prone to okay. worrying. So, yeah.
Lorraine, we don't briefly, need Jermaine's approval. Lorraine Mina, very briefly, final words. Before well, I'm all for ideological diversity, but the question is how, you know, is, is somebody who is still regarded by many as an icon supposed to support, you know, young women in their current struggle? And I think the answer has to be either by getting behind it and showing solidarity in a critical way or by getting out of the way because this is a distraction. But I'm I haven't sorry, been in the... I didn't invite myself here tonight. <laughs> Mina. And I'll tell I you something that. else. If there's anything I don't want to be, it's an icon. I grew up with holy pictures and I don't want to be one. Okay. And I've never pretended to be one. I'm okay. not speaking on women's behalf. I'm trying to talk sense, okay. especially in an environment where we seem to be talking a lot okay. of, of sloganising like, nonsense. Mina needs to come in briefly. That's wonderful that you don't want to position yourself as an icon, but you are to very many women. So at least, well, at the very least, Jermaine, could you not just look at Me Too for what it is rather than have your single narrative that it's about Uma Thurman and Meryl Streep? Me Too has been translated to Chinese, Jiddish, Arabic, Finnish. You have women in Nigeria, Kenya, India, Brazil, galvanizing and organizing and using Me Too. I was at the EU Parliament where hundreds of feminists took over the EU Parliament on the back end of Me Too to speak about women gaining power in Europe. So can you at least acknowledge that there's all this other stuff going on? It's not just Hollywood celebrities speaking about taking cocaine with Harvey Weinstein. Wait till something happens. I mean, signing hashtag Me Too means but, nothing. But why be so negative? You say sorry to be crabby. Why be so crabby? Because I want to be crabby. I can be as crabby as I like. Even just if it's, like you. Even if it's unhelpful. I don't have to be helpful. I'm one person. I'm being told to help all the women of the world or something, or, or say things that will be accepted by everybody. Let me ask you this last question. On Me Too, you know, Laurie said at the start, you know, we've only been six months, seven months in. You keep saying, let's see what happens. Do you have any regrets about how you've handled it at all? I don't do regrets. Well, what do you call a person who has no regrets? Dead, probably, but... <laughs> Do you think there's any chance of you undoing your positions on Me Too? Last question. Any chance? Uh, if they suddenly pull the rabbit out of the hat, if they actually manage to bring a case that they can actually win. Okay. But I don't think they're going to. That's that, my feeling. But when that, they do, I'll cheer. On that very uh, negative note, Jermaine Greer, thanks for joining me on Head to Head. And thanks to our panel. <laughs> Thank you so much.